Serenissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Folks, welcome back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio, with your host, Hurricane H. New day, new show, new topic. Uh, actually, not really a new topic. This time, it's a topic that I've been tackling a lot of, and uh, it is an important topic because I think it affects all of us. Um, you know, and mental health is important to all of us, right? Would you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I don't think so. <laughs> I think everybody would agree to to the fact that we need the mental health, you know, and and the physical health is 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 attached to that as well. So we're going to talk about the connection there. Um, and again, we never can run out of discussion on this topic. So I have with me a life coach, a motivational speaker, who actually handles this, helps people, and uh, helps them through their you know mental uh, uh, crises, whatever you want to call it. But also is someone who actually. Um, not only is doing the work, but has experienced some of his own, uh, I guess, uh, journey in terms of mental health and, and and all the work that he had to do and some addiction and stuff. And we're going to talk about it. I, 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 I like Justin, actually, Brian, to actually talk to us about it. So, Justin, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about your story, because I think that's, that's a very good preface and prelude to the actual uh, work that you do today. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a great thing to connect. I know we tried to connect for about a year now, and you know what? We're here. We're gonna make this happen. <laughs> and you know what? It is a it's a good topic to talk about mental health because there is a, a stigma that still follows it. I do believe that it's getting better. Um, mm -hmm. that people are getting more comfortable talking about it. That being said, you know, one out of I think it's nine people out of the World Health Organization says struggles with a mental illness. One out of five will have a mental health episode in their lifetime. But what I learned in mental health first aid was five out of five people have mental health. That means everybody on this planet has mental health. They have different, you know, experiences, different traumas, and they all cope with their mental health differently. Unfortunately for me, I struggled with mental health from a very young age. And, you know, looking back, I didn't know what depression was back then. I didn't know what anxiety was, you know. So I dealt with my you know, my struggles, my mental health in an unhealthy manner, turning to alcohol and drugs to cope. So me growing up, uh, I had very low self-esteem, self-worth and self-confidence. And I, I took that with me through life. You know, I really had no reason to have self low self-esteem, low self-worth, self-confidence. I, you know, I was athletic. I had good grades. People liked me. But, you know, I was always comparing myself to other people. I wasn't comfortable as me. I put everybody on a pedestal ahead of me. And I honestly wanted to be everybody else but me. You know, I didn't drink much in high school, but when I got out and I started playing junior hockey, you know, I found what alcohol was giving me. You know, it gave me self-esteem, self-worth, and self-confidence. But I didn't realize everything it was giving me was fake, obviously, as all those feelings of worth were fake, right? Mm -hmm. um, it bring me out of my shell a bit and make me more conversationalist. But uh, everything it started to take for me was very real. By the time I was 21 years old, I was bartending downtown in Vancouver and you know I was pretty much a full-blown alcoholic at that time 
And then 24 hit, and I tried drugs for the first time. At 24 years old, I did cocaine for the very first time. And, you know, I didn't remember the night. So I phoned up my buddy. I'm like, hey, man, what happened last night? And he's like, <laughs> well, Hang- well, this Hang- is that's a deja vu hangover show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's like, this is what happened. And I was like, oh, God, I, was, I wasn't expecting that because I was I was against drugs. You know, I wasn't against other people using them because that's their choices. And I, I am no position to judge other people for their choices. But I did. And I'm like, okay. But then all of a sudden he said something to me. And you shouldn't say to a person with my mindset. And he's like, man, you were funny last night. Well, right then and there, it clicked for me. You know, I have uh, alcohol for confidence. I have drugs to be funny. I got Michael's special juice from Space Jam. You know, one shot of this, and then I'm super Justin. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to have conversations. Let's get on the dance floor. You know, I got to the point where actually an algorithm, you know, of how many drinks I would have before I left my house to, you know, go to a friend's house, go play sports even. You know, at one point I would I would have like a one of those mini Mickeys when I was walking over to a friend's house, just, I would, I would slam it, you know, just to hope it because I had that mind connection that, okay, if I, if I drink this, I will be better at conversation. If I drink this, my anxiety will go down. Did it help? Yeah. But it was also a part of the, my mind game, my mindset that, you know, when I get to the nightclub, I have a couple more shots. Okay. Maybe I'm going to talk to that girl, you know, I have a couple more shots. Maybe I'll go on the dance floor and I'll be a better dancer, right? Cause you don't pay attention to things. You start to open up your ambitions, start to fall down and, and you start to let go of, you know, those insecurities. But, you know, I started relying on those where I was drinking every day. I started using drugs consistently. I was losing weight. I was, was getting pretty skinny. I was sleeping during the day and I was a bartender. So I'd work from, you know, four, five, six till two or three in the morning. And then I would if I worked till two, I'd, I'd close up that bar as quick as I could. And I'd get out for power, half hour power. I would drink as much as I could. And then, you know, I'd walk home after and I'd phone up, dial a bottle and I'd have more alcohol waiting for me when I got home. And, you know, soon I, you could, uh, I learned that you could get drugs too. You know, it wasn't legal or anything like that, obviously, but I could get both delivered to my house. And I would, I would do that by myself. I got to the point where I was comfortable with just drinking and doing drugs alone, you know, it was, that was my comfort zone. Just being alone, watching TV, staying up till six, seven in the morning, seeing the sun come up, and then I went to bed. One night, uh, a bartender came up to me. He said, "Justin, can I ask you something?" And I said, "Sure." He said, "Do you think you drink too much?" And I was like, "No, you know, I'm young and I like to have fun." You know, when I should have taken him seriously because he told me his story. He, he actually was and an alcoholic, but he quit drinking. Uh, he was still able to bartend, but I did what I did every single night. I didn't listen to him. I closed up that bar and I went out, got drunk as I could, walked home, phoned up a bottle. But when I was walking home this night, uh, I was 24 years old and a thought rings through my head and it says, Justin, do you drink too much? And I was like, no, there's no way. I'm young. I like to have fun. I'm in this big, beautiful city of Vancouver. If anyone's ever seen it, it's one of the most beautiful cities there is right on the water. And I'm bartending here. I'm living my life. There's no way I'm an alcoholic. I drink too much. So I take a couple more steps. And all of a sudden, this thought rings through my head. And it's my own my own voice. And it says, Justin, are you an alcoholic? Well, right then and there, I said, uh, I said this word for word. I'm like, there's no way I'm an alcoholic. I am. I go to work, I pay my bills, I'm not a low life, and I am too smart to be an alcoholic. You know, I was so smart that I 
graduated that year to to drug abuse, drug abuse, I guess. And things really started to fall for me. You know, I started to miss work, and I ended up moving back home. To, I'm from Salmon Arm, a small town of about eighteen thousand people, and I move home and I start to manage a nightclub. And that nightclub, you know, I, I had drugs readily available. I had alcohol, you know, at my feet. And I really started to struggle and I started to spiral down. And it wasn't until four years later, you know, I met a girl. And, you know, in, in between that time, I was moving around from city to city to city, kind of just chasing jobs, you know, bartending here, bartending there, you know, losing myself along the way, continuing to drink every day, continuing to use drugs, uh, continuing to lose weight. I'm like, I'm six foot three and I was probably about 180 pounds back then, but that wasn't. It wasn't good weight, right? I was, I was bone for me. Um, but eventually I met this girl. Um, we hung out, but my drinking just kept pursuing and getting, getting more and more. And we ended up breaking up, but we kept in touch. And then one day, I mean, we all hung out a couple of times, but one day she called me and she's like, Justin, I'm pregnant. She's like, mm-hmm. you can either be in this kid's life or I'm keeping it. Or you don't have to be. And I was like, no way. I'm being in this kid's life. So we got back together. But my my drinking didn't fall, didn't go down. And so finally, you know, I, I'm like, you know, I have a kid coming. I need to go to rehab. So I went to the rehab for the very first time. But when I went to rehab, I went with a total wrong mindset. You know, I went there, so 60 other men. I, go, I went to all my counseling sessions, right? There's like four or five a day. But I was working out twice a day, eating healthy, you know, gained a lot of weight, got up to like 240 pounds. And, uh, but when I got out, the first thing I said was, I'm not done drinking forever. Well, I just spent 60, 30, 40, 42 days away, no, 35 days away from my pregnant girlfriend. And the first thing I said was, I'm not done drinking forever. Well, you could probably guess what happened. You know, one month later, we have our son. Two months later, I start drinking again making bad decisions. And then six months after that, my girlfriend had to make tough decisions while I ever have to make and leave me at my lowest point. And oh man, I, I don't blame her. You know, I was in no shape to have a kid around. Mm. Now, when she left me, I was actually off of, I had a leave of absence from work so I could go to go to rehab. And they said, Justin, like, listen, you need to get yourself better. Cause I was working at a mill at that time and running heavy equipment. I'm very fortunate that I never hurt anybody because when I was working there, at 28 years old, those would be the start of my suicidal thoughts. And I would have them every single day for six straight years. And, you know, I'd ask myself, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? One time, um, my girl or my ex would drop off my son so I could see him. Now, I couldn't drive with him in my car per court order, and I could only see him twice a week for four hours at a time. So I was very fortunate that she would drive him driving to my house because I had a blow box in my in my vehicle. So I lost it for drinking and driving. And it was the second time I did that. But she dropped off my son. And what does a two-year-old want to do when he sees his dad? And he never gets to see him. He wants to play with daddy. Well, unfortunately for me, I couldn't. You know, I was struggling. You know, when you struggle with your mental health, you're going to have a hard time regulating your emotions. You're going to go through sadness, prolonged sadness, you know, irritability, um, you're going to be lonely. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be confused. You're going to want to isolate yourself. And, you know, those are just some of the symptoms that I was going through. So I had to pick him up and distract him. So I took him to the store. I got him a bag of chips and a bag of candy. And I brought him back home. And, you know, I gave him that stuff and turned on the TV so I could distract him. And then 
And as he sat there distracted, I went, I looked at the back of his head and I started to, to cry to myself. And I started to ask myself this question. I asked myself every single day, Justin, are you going to make it? Or are you going to make it to see him graduate? Are you going to make it to see him get married? Are you going to make it to teach him ride a bike or even see him score his first goal in hockey? Hey, I'm Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's big for us, you know, but I, the answer inevitably every single time was no, you know, I couldn't picture myself in his future because one time. I got hospitalized for the third time, the second time in two weeks with alcohol poisoning. And as I sat there in that bed, my ex brought down my son so I could see him. And I'll never forget the way he looked at me and he looked at his mom. You know, he walked through the curtain, he looked at me, looked at his mom, looked at me, looked at his mom again. And he says, mommy, what's wrong with daddy? All right, then in there, you know, I was like, I need to end this. You know, I need to end this so that he has a father that he deserves, you know, a father that's going to pick him up when he falls down or a father that, you know, maybe holds him down there a little bit just to make him realize he's got a little bit longer before he catches his old man. But, you know, a father that's going to teach him the ways of life and not a father who's going to be in the hospital with alcohol poisoning or who's going to miss time with him because he's using. And, you know, so, so why don't I just end it? You know, my friends, my family, they'll understand. You know, uh, my ex, she's smart, she's intelligent. You know, she's a massive heart to find a dad that he deserves. And, you know, the kids too. You know, he won't remember me. So why don't I just end it? You know, when you get into that mindset, which is a really bad mindset to get into, you start to think to yourself, okay, this world is better off without me. So I started to think, you know what, this kid, if I just end this, he's going to have a better dad, you know, and my friends, my family members, they're not going to have to babysit me anymore. I don't have to be the black sheep. No, I should just end this. Well, that mindset is very hard to change. And when you start to tell yourself that kind of stuff, you start to tell yourself what I believe is the world's biggest lie. And that is that this this world is better off without you. The truth is, is this world is better off with you. I believe that you are created on purpose for a purpose and that you are here to make a difference, whether you believe it or not. That maybe you're what your possible, your possibilities, maybe it's your capabilities, or maybe it's just giving that person a smile when you walk by them. Because you know what? A smile, we all know, can go a long way. At that time, I was very fortunate to start to go to the gym. And I was listening to motivational speaking and all these speakers, I had no idea who they were at the time, but I was listening to Trent Shelton, uh, Inky Johnson, Les Brown, and Eric Thomas. Now, most people in the speaking and motivational speaking, those guys are, those guys are at the top and I had no idea who they were, but they all had something in common and it was find your why. So I started to ask myself, okay, Justin, well, what is your why? I mean, well, what's your why that's going to keep you going, you know, it's going to motivate and drive you to get better. And I started to look at the little boy again and I started to think, well, I need to get better for you, right? Because I couldn't do it for myself. And a lot of people are going to say, hey, you got to do it for yourself. And yeah, you should. But I know for guys like me and guys in rehab that I went with, we couldn't do it for ourselves. So we had to find our why. We had to grab a hold of it and take it with us everywhere. Now, the thing is, is that you, everyone has a why. Every single person has a why. 100% it's you. Um, but if you can't see that, you must find one. Because when you find one, it always comes back on you. I got better for my kid, which I got better. makes me get better for me. So it always technically comes back to you. And there's a quote by Friedrich Nietzsche says, he who has a why to live for can bear almost anyhow. So I made it my why and I went back to rehab for the second time. And, you know, this time when I went back to rehab, I, I paid attention, right? I went to the gym still. Because like, the gym is the gym's my happy place. It's the best antidepressant I've ever had. 
Um, I, when I go to the gym, I like to listen to motivation speaking. I listen to audible books. I take notes. It's my happy zone. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. Maybe give me a head nod, but it's, it's my zone to where I feel better. And I, you can release those happy chemicals, reward chemicals like your serotonin, your dopamine, your endorphins. But I did that and I paid attention. And in rehab, they, they taught us the how. So in rehab, they don't really worry about the substance per se. They worry about the why and the how. So why do you use and the how are you going to get better? So in rehab, they taught us things like, you know, gratitude. You know, what are you grateful for in your life? You know, doing it consistently over time, morning and night, reminding yourself of what you have good in your life is actually scientifically proven to re- rewire the neuroplasticity you have in your brain for happiness. They went over things like journaling, you know, getting your thoughts out of your head and onto paper, um, you know, eating healthy, because there's actually a direct correlation between your gut health and your mental health. Um, exercise, like I like to say, listening to positive, positive podcasts, audible books. And one of the biggest things that helped me was listening to guys like me, you know, struggle and what they did to get better. You know, listening to manly men being like, hey, you know what? It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to mess up. But listen, you got to take responsibility and you got to take action yourself. No one's coming to save you. There are definitely people that can help you. But the people that are going to have to save you is, is it's going to have to be yourself. But there's people that can help you along the way. And then I realized that any time I was going to feel down, I was going to make sure I talked about it. So I went to rehab for the second time and I felt great. And, you know, I got out and, you know, I started off as a car salesman when I got out of when I got out of rehab. And I was been diagnosed with clinical depression, uh, which is sadness that persists for longer than two weeks. It's called major depression, you know, social and general anxiety and ADHD. Now, when you have anxiety and ADHD and depression, man, you don't want to be a car salesman. That's like the <laughs> last thing you want to do. I have people coming in, they want to talk to me, and I'm like, oh, oh my anxiety's flaring up, and I can't pay attention, and I just, I should have taken a couple months to figure out what I really wanted to do, and then I end, end up hitting, hitting what they like to call the, the pink cloud, you know, so you get out of rehab, you feel great, right? You just went and did 35 days, you got yourself better, you know, you're sober, you got this, you learned all these coping mechanisms, but then all of a sudden this pink cloud hits, and it's like... Oh man, I got to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> and we learn when you learn in rehab is like when you're changing in here, man. They're not changing out there. The world is staying the same. So I stopped doing those coping mechanisms. I stopped doing all those healthy habits. And you know, I I had my son one day, and I could, I didn't know what to do, so I gave him to my mom, and I started to drink again because I didn't know how to deal with those those thoughts that I had. And I, those thoughts came back, and they came back hard eventually where I ended up going in and becoming an organ donor. I got milk thistle for my liver and kidney flush because I was preparing my body to die because I thought, you know what, Justin, you need to get your body healthy and you can give it to somebody else, somebody that deserves it because you just keep messing up. Now, shortly, a couple months after that, you know, I, I quit my job because I was missing work again and I found myself on January 4th sitting in my in my room in my basement suite and uh sorry about that okay i found myself staring around the room and i was looking at pictures of my kid i was looking at his toys it was dark the blinds were shut i had tin foil on the windows right followed by curtains and like towels because i didn't want light coming in and i'm like man 
Like, you're not going to make it. I'm like, you got two choices here, Justin. You can either ask for help or your son's going to grow up without his biological father. And I was like, cool. Finally, I pick up the phone and I call my mom. And I was living under my mom at that time. And I'm like, you need to take me to the hospital. So she comes and picks me up and takes me to the hospital. And finally, I had my dad to my left of me. I had my mom in front of me and I counseled her to the right. And I'm like, you know, if I have to continue to feel like this, I have a plan and the plan is to end it. You know, when I said those words out loud and my mom and my dad sitting there, you know, the counselor was good, right? But to say those words out loud, they took half the half the weight off my shoulders. And I was fortunate enough that I could, I could, I could go back home after, you know, four or five, six hours maybe. And because uh, I lived underneath my mom. But right then and there, you know, I made a promise to myself, like, Justin, you need to change. You can't do this. Like you can't go on living this. You're gonna have to make a choice. And from January 4th, 2019, I've been sober for over four years now. And I've gone to school to be a life coach. I've gone to school to be a, a speaker. And I've got to travel. I've been I've got to fly around, you know, to be a speaker. And I've got to be able to impact people, be on podcasts. And you know, it's well because you know, I asked for help, but one of the biggest things I did was I started to commit my medication. I started to commit to my doctor's appointments or my counseling appointments because anytime I used to feel better, I'd stop taking my meds. I'd stop going on my counseling appointment. And I'd say, Hey, I don't need you. I can do this alone. But when I did that, all of a sudden that vicious cycle would come out. I start drinking. I miss time with my kid and time at work. So I started to commit to my healthy coping mechanisms, commit to seeking the help, staying with the help. And I've been able to turn my life around and, you know, be able to help and serve other people. Wow, <laughs> Justin. I mean, I, I I could not stop you. I had to listen to the whole thing because the flow was there, and you know, you really give us a, a visual of of the whole timeline. And uh, while it it took about twenty minutes to to articulate this, uh, you know, we can spend another five hours really breaking it down. And and I want to start doing that right now. But but because there's so many things you've covered uh, in this little time, and people watching and listening right now, if you just Pay attention to the words that Justin has used, you know, from the beginning of the show is things that he experienced and he's sharing those to us. And then, then we're going to take, take the next part of the discussion as to like what you have become and how you, you, you're taking it on the road and everything and the work you do. But I want to go back to the source of, of the problem, right? Or the source, you know, you were a young dude and happy and you know what? There's a lot of people out there just like that, right? Today that are listening and watching and there will be plenty. And or people that are past that stage on any given stage, let's say. But you stated some things about, you know, how you wanted to belong, you wanted to to feel good, and you needed some support and, and some kick, you know. And the kick was that. And that's actually what's happening to a lot of people. Like, you know, I want to have fun. Let me get some nice little buzz, right? I want to have some, you know, extra, you know, uh, I guess audacity. And then, you know what, let me get some some Coke or something to get, you know, happy and just be doing my thing. Uh, and and by the way, at the time when you are that age, the world looks like fun. I mean, everything is fun. Yeah, I, I remember those days like yesterday. It was cool days. I mean, you know, college days and all these. It is. It is a. I tell my kids it's the best time of your life. I mean, because you really have you to to worry about, and you can have a, a great time. But if you do it wrong, it the, the the ripple effect, the the real you know domino effect is is serious, and 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 it led to many years of 
despair and problems and issues and you know i mean a lot of things and we're going to break those down so you stated that uh you know but but one thing about that concept of you using some substance to kind of make you feel good at the time it is actually what people are looking at these days you know when when and by the way this is starting now it is sad to say that even in in elementary school and middle school well not elementary middle school and high school it is now predominant where you can see some level of addiction level is already happening right it's kind of starting there i mean there's programs drug programs you know uh, drug you know awareness pro, you know uh, programs in the schools and stuff i've seen a few my kids have gone through but it is starting at that age you know and it feels like you know this is a cool thing it's a habit it's like you're not too cool if you're not into this you're not too cool so if you're listening watching folks you know and and, and if you're a parent or you are actually going through the stage know that you don't have to be cool using those things because you need to know what the outcome is and the outcome is going to be two things it, well either one that's going to be a rough road and then you're going to eventually get out of it and the other one probably be a rough road and you're going to end up you know not in this world then you know many things can uh you could miss on a lot of things and basically that's it right and so not a cool you know place to be and and know that you don't have to have alcohol you don't have to have drugs you don't have to have any of that to enjoy life and be the best that you can be i mean i don't know get orange juice <laughs> <laughs> and get, get some sugar i mean and we can talk about sugar addiction as well but that's another way right but but the idea is you don't have to do that you don't have i think a lot of us we we think that if we're not meeting the expectation of our entourage you know we're not belonging and therefore we cannot almost mimic their their behavior or whatever and we want to do like the cool thing so we can be part of this group or or or, or, or engagement whatever that is so that was the first thing that you talked that kind of got into my mind, the idea that as a younger person, you were into it and it made you feel good. And then one led to the other. And and so so that was the thing. Then to your point, you were doing just the alcohol, but then now you need an extra kick. Now you added like almost like more gasoline into the fire. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now you have two highs, not just one addiction and, and another one. But you you also stated something powerful, which always comes back in a discussion whenever we talk about addiction, is that you we're in denial first. It's like, this is, I'm not, I'm good. <laughs> I'm doing all my stuff. I am cool. There is no problem with me here. And I think that's the first problem that I think everybody that has, you know, an addiction of any sort. You know, no, I don't have that problem. I mean, we can joke about it. I, I tell my kids, you're addicted to your phone or to your Snapchat or whatever, because they don't, they cannot literally let go from the phone. I mean, they walk in with one hand with the phone and doing everything in one hand. It's like, you have two hands for a reason. You can drive the phone for five minutes. But they don't see it you know it's becoming an addiction and and that's the problem with it like you don't see it people seeing it but you're not and yeah. you're completely uh-uh i'm not accepting what you're saying i'm cool i know what i'm doing i got this the problem is you don't got this <laughs> you know and you don't realize you don't get this until things are getting worse so so now you said something that even your colleague at the and by the way your environment was not helpful because you were surrounded with the alcohol and then the party business which which that's the other thing i mean you sometimes you have to remove yourself from the elements right that are actually it's like you've been anchored into that world uh you had to separate you know but that was hard to do anyways because that was your world that's where you you found yourself so that was tough and for people watching and listening you know this is a real life scenario a real person a real family real lives that have been impacted i mean you didn't just impact your life you've impacted a lot of people around you i mean you know your your uh, uh, girlfriend uh, your your child your parents everybody that was in your world had to be impacted by you. and this is what we don't sometimes realize it is not always about us it's about everybody around us 
And I think that's that's most of us are selfish enough to always realize that it's all about me. But we don't realize the impact that we have on society as a whole, on the immediate society or our families, and then entourages. And and also we are role models to whoever is around us. I mean, if people are seeing who you are, they're probably gonna like, well, Justin is cool. I want to be just like Justin, but they don't know what Justin is going through, right? Uh, you mentioned something also very powerful about you know who knew about depression and anxiety at an early age, right? People don't don't believe in that. Like, I can't possibly have depression. I don't. I don't have anxiety. I'm not. You know, that that's for the other guys. It doesn't happen to me. But and 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 what you said even more powerful is that. The statistics are staggering. They're crazy. You know, mm -hmm. we all have some level of mental health, you know, issue one way or the other in a given time of our life. Things happen. Life is really brutal. It, it takes a toll on people. And if you are uh, one way they are persuaded to do one or the other things that can be detrimental to your health, it can just destroy you. And sometimes alcohol can make that quick satisfaction that you know it's like you almost kind of like ignore everything like you put your 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 life on hold i mean it's like a high and then the world is ending like you know it's like a, a, an escape you know <laughs> in, in your own way. Yeah, it, 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 I, I, I basically drank or did drugs to change my mindset i knew that well I you did it but, but because because you want like you know i, I don't want to know when it, i mean i'm cool i'm as long as i'm drunk and you know the world i can give a shit <laughs> you know what's going on around me i'm happy and really i mean as blunt as it sounds that's really what people feel and, and i get it i mean i have not suffered personally from it but i've seen people around me who had that and when you well, talk to them that's exactly yeah. the reaction well the thing is is when i was 24 and i walked across the cabbie street bridge in vancouver and i asked myself those two questions do you drink too much are you an alcoholic uh i had a warm feeling rush up through my body when I asked myself if I was an alcoholic and I said those words to myself and then but I knew I I knew I 100% knew that I was an alcoholic but I didn't want to admit it mm. because if I admit it then I have to change it you know I like to tell people that like my three A's you know first you got to admit the problem then you have to accept it internally and then you have to ask for help now it wasn't until 28 where I, I finally admitted it to myself but when I admitted it, I didn't accept it, right? Because you have to accept it. Acceptance in life is massive, right? I had to accept that I had the problem, but I didn't because, like I said, when I saw other people drinking, I would go back to my drinking because I think I was just as smart as them or I'd stop taking my medication. So I, when I was truly that I accepted, hey, that I, I shouldn't, I'll never say can't drink. I shouldn't drink. I shouldn't do drugs that I could really start to make the changes I need to make. Right. There's things and acceptance, like I said, is there's a big part of acceptance and forgiveness and or acceptance in life. But one of the other the hows I learned in rehab, and I've actually learned it in coaching too, is the power of acceptance and forgiveness. How there's gonna be times in your life where an experience or event or person is gonna hurt you. They're gonna do something to hurt you, to upset you. Uh, but one of the first things you have to do to get over that is you have to accept that it truly happened. You have to, doesn't mean you have to like it, right? Doesn't mean you have to like it whatsoever, but you have to accept that event or that person that happened actually happened. And you have to do that so that you can forgive it. And you forgive it so you can stop living in your past and create your future. Now, the cool thing about forgiveness is, is that you don't have to, if it's a person that hurt you, you don't have to tell them. You don't have to be like, hey, you know what? I forgive you. You can, but you must forgive them for you, right? So that you can move on. Um, but then there's times, right, especially for me, the person that you're going to have, event you're going to have to accept is something that you did 
then that person that you're going to have to forgive is yourself. And that was one of the hardest things I had to do is accept the things that I did, forgive myself, and then learn to love myself, right? And forgive everything I did and realize that's not me, but I did them, but then forgive myself. And that was probably one of the hardest things I had to do. But I do believe that people are more aware they give themselves credit for, but it's when you admit it, when you finally admit it, that's when you have to make the change. So I think maybe people try to not admit it to themselves. Because once you admit it, then you don't make the change. And all of a sudden, guilt and shame comes in, right? And the difference between guilt and shame, uh, Brene Brown, who's, who's incredible, I learned about her in rehab, was uh, guilt is you did something bad. Shame is you are bad. And she says shame is secret for breakfast. And so when you continually to do stuff that you know is wrong, or you keep things inside that you know you should be talking about, you start to feel shameful. When you say, I am something, you, you know, you start to believe it, and your, your thought turns into a belief. That belief becomes a truth, and then that truth controls your actions, and all of a sudden, you know, you're messing up, you're using more, and, you know, it's a whole downfall. So many things you can do by not admitting the problem, accepting it, and asking for help. Well, you know, just thank you for, for breaking down, because, you know, the analogy, really looking at the story and looking at and the reality of things, right, it's when you're starting this whole journey happy, right? And and getting involved with the alcohol and drugs. And it looks so great. It's like going that roller coaster and just going up happy up the hill and trying to get into that moment where you're gonna get, yeah, the ride is good. But then when are you going down? It's bad. I mean, yeah. it's really brutal, right? It's rock bottom hit. It is tough. And and that's really so you're getting the high, you're getting excited, but then a lot of things. In your case, and I love what you said about you did not want to admit first. And I think that is really the biggest barrier across everybody and by the way this is not about addiction most of us when we're wrong we don't like to admit it period and yeah. and because because we 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 don't choose to to be aware that we could be wrong you know we just want to accept the idea that we're never wrong and that's a problem across the board addiction or no addiction but when you have addiction it's even the highest level because now to your point admitting it means i gotta take actions i'm not ready to take actions I don't want to do anything about this. I like my life the way it is. Yes, it sucks, but you know what? I feel good. And so between that feel good and really taking the necessary steps to move out of that feel good and get feel better, actually, you know, you're not you're not looking at I want to feel better. You just want to feel good for the moment. And then that's where it ends. Now, in your life, in your experience, what you said, uh, there are two triggers that made you be aware. One is you had that conversation with your fellow bartender who actually did question you. And I think that subconsciously was there floating because to your point later on, you asked the question yourself, am I, you know, probably maybe, I don't know if he didn't ask the question, you may be not even trickled to it. You, you might not have gone that little trigger, you know, uh, uh, connection, but then the biggest piece is all of a sudden now you are becoming a father. Now, not everybody that's listening and watching may have your scenario and maybe not everybody will have, a, a big event in their life that's going to change their thought process and maybe give them the wake up like the red light. Woo woo. You're, it's time for you to, to do something. Think about this new life that you just brought into this world. You know, some people may not have that. Right. And, and maybe that's the, that, that could be a problem because they need another type of trigger to get them going. Right. Your case, you had the friend that actually, I, I would say it's a good friend that actually did give you that. Cause not everybody is going to come to you and say, Hey dude, something's wrong with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, people tend to keep it to themselves. They don't want to come. If someone likes you, they'll come to you and tell you. So always on, you know, surround yourself with people that will tell you the truth, uh, you know, because those are the people that really care. 
Um, and then, and then again, now you had this big change of life. I mean, you have a young life that's coming and you, to your point, you want to be part of it. You know, you want to be part of this life. You're going to make some necessary changes and difficult changes because at that point, the world, you know, will suck, you know, without your addiction, right? Because that's the world. Now you did, you did take the step. The good news is that you didn't say no. You said, okay, I'm going to do it. Now, what you did though, you went to rehab, as you said, but you didn't commit to the rehab. It was like, you know, this is just, you know, I'm just doing, I'm going through the motions. And by the way, that can happen to everybody, guys. You know, it, we might talk about it, it sounds easy. I'm pretty sure going to rehab is not an easy picnic, you know, you know, stage. And you're right. You have to have commitment. By the way, everything we do in life, if you're not committed enough, you're not going get to get it done, period. Uh, and so the commitment means you really are present, not just physically, but you're conscious. Everything is there. And you have to do the, the work. It's not like, you know, I'm listening in and it just goes out the other ear. You want it to be there functionally and, and, and take the action. You did it. You came out, but it didn't stick with you. And and the reason I'm highlighting this, this example is that for people that may think like, well, it didn't work. Guess what? We're talking to Justin today, years later. He's gone through this process a couple of times. He's gone through the process over and over. He didn't give up. He still, he failed. Maybe for some people, they'll define it that way. That was not failure. The reason that he's here, that's a success. So so the fact is, he just didn't do it at the first take. He took another stab at it. You know, a little bit more time required, you know, that's the way it was. And that's the thing for people. So if you're going through a tough time right now, addiction or otherwise, know that try, attempt, get the steps in. And if it's not working out, it's not the end. You can do it again and again until you get out of it. And that's always a good message to keep like you know obviously if you can get it the first shot perfect but if you don't don't lose hope never lose hope it actually takes the average from what i heard from an addictions counselor 17 times and i'm first. talking about just a couple of times you did good man <laughs> well there's you know i've been to over 100 doctor's appointments i've spent 77 days in rehab i've been to Ooh. 45 addiction appointments 19 psychiatrists, 19 psychologists, 10 psychiatrists. I've tried eight different meds from antidepressants to ADHD to anger to bipolar, you know, and that one why really helped. But it took me, me, so when my girlfriend left, it took me three years before I got sober. Three well, I'm, years. I'm sure that added up too. I mean, the fact that yeah, now yeah. so I didn't just you know find my why and do it right away, but it took me three years. But after that three years, you know, six months after I got sober, you know, I'm back together with the mother of my son, and you know, we're married now, and we actually have another baby girl. Congrats! But it wasn't. Yeah, no, it's it's not linear, man. It's like up, down, up, down. The thing is, is realizing that you deserve something more. You know, it's. I remember the other day, you know, I was talking to my coach and I was like, man, you're like getting kind of, you know, my confidence is kind of dropping in my coaching. And he's like, okay. He's like, why? And almost because we have expectations, huge expectations on ourselves. Right. And they're usually, you know, higher than what we put on somebody else. And he's like, okay, we'll go back and check out your testimonials. So I went back and I read the testimonials I have. and They're all fantastic. Right. Now, what if we did that for our life? You know, what if you're struggling and you went to your friends and say, hey, what, you know, your close friends, the ones you trust. And what do you think of me? And then you wrote it down. And then every time you felt, you know, down, you read it. It's a testimonial from your friends. Now, when you do that, though, you have to realize 
you know, what one thing we can do is we can put our opinions ahead of other people, right? It's like, oh, we have this deep-seated belief in ourselves that we don't deserve that. So even when we ask them, it's like, okay, what do you think? Well, I think you're an amazing person. Hmm. Yeah, well, I don't believe you. Do you think that friend is going to lie to you? Yeah, okay, you're an amazing person. You mess up, but you're still an amazing person. So when we ask our friends for those testimonials, it's like, well, write them down, but believe them, you know, get rid of that internal dialogue and that negative thought pattern that you have that you're not good enough. So one of the things I had to do was realize, hey, I am good enough that, you know what, I'm a smart guy. I'm a nice guy. I care about people and I deserve better. You know, Ed Milet said one time, I don't want to die and meet the person that I could have been. So now it's like, well, well, what kind of person can I be? Now I got to challenge that. Now I got to try to be the person I can be. So I really had to change, you know, my internal dialogue, the way I spoke to myself, because I told myself, Justin, you're a loser, you're a failure, you're pathetic. You know, but when you when you have that negative internal dialogue, there's one thing I want you to try to do. And I want you to try to challenge that. Thought. It's like, okay, well, Justin, you're not good enough. Okay, well, is it true? Well, no, not really. Well, are you... Is it absolutely true? Well, no, it's not. Okay, Justin, well, how would you feel if you didn't have that thought? Well, I'd probably feel pretty good. Now, if a friend had that thought, what would you say to them? Could you say it to yourself? So the thing is, you want to look for the evidence surrounding that thought, not things that you may have done that are wrong, but things that are saying you're consistently not a good person. Like, Because we all mess up, right? But we have to accept ourselves for our mess up, for our past and our flaws, realize, hey, we are all flawed individuals and we're doing the best we can with what we know sometimes. But the thing about it is, is if you have, you know, you can have, a, I think it's 80% of your thoughts a day can be repetitive and negative. And so when you question yourself on that thought, is there evidence? And you find out that, hey, you know what? That thought has some evidence behind it. Well, then you, you got to change it. You got to do, hey, what are three things I can do to change that thought and change that outcome? But it's it's learning that I deserve better. I deserve happiness and I deserve the love I so freely give to other people to have on myself, you know, and it's hard to love yourself. I actually started to look in the mirror and every day and be like, Justin, I love you. Whether I believed it or not, I would say, Hey man, I love you. And eventually, you know, it's not faking it till you make it because you actually do love yourself. You may, like I said, you may mess up, but you should love yourself. You give love to everybody else. Yeah. You give love to a pet, uh, you know, a kid, you know, a family member, a best friend. Well, start to give that love to yourself. Because you deserve it. Justin, I, I love what you're saying. First of all, you, you're throwing some serious stuff there. I mean, one is the, you had mentioned just before the, the why, right? You had to find the why. And the why is the why you did the wrong thing and the why you need to get out of it. It's it's the same. I mean, it's two different whys, but really the why is the most powerful question. I mean, actually, yeah. I had I had this question asked to me, like, what is the most powerful question in the world? And it is Why? when you ask why you know you can you can figure things out the reason you need then you start looking for things right and you did and so that was one and then once you have the why you said it's the how how do we get you know through this and you did now you and i love what you said i mean by the way thank you for sharing you know the details about your life i mean not everybody that has the ability to do this and and willing to do it but you're doing it because you believe and it's helping you and it's helping people but but you know you said it, you had, you know, multiple, you know, days in, in rehab, you had so many things that you had to go through and it wasn't easy. It's not a picnic. It's not going to be a quick, to your point, it's not linear. It's up and down, good days and bad days. But you talked about the power of words, 
that are that you say to yourself. The power mm -hmm. of dialogue with yourself, questioning things, asking, "Am I really those things or bad things?" And that's the other thing: we don't, we we don't, we actually undermine the power of what we say to ourselves. You said, yeah. "I'm I'm not good. I'm failing. I'm not. You know, I don't think I'm. I'm I deserve this." You say this stuff, that subconscious is just going to start kicking in and it's going to take over. And that's all you're going to see. It's mindset. And your mindset is going to be completely drained and it's bad. And then the outcome is just going to be a bad one. Uh, but, but you know, having those dialogues, and I love what you said, you got to give love to people. Well, you got to start with you. Self-talk, self-love is important. You have to be, it starts here. And believing in yourself, believing that you can make a difference. I love what you said. Today, you are married. You have another child and life is here and you know, you've been sober and you're helping the world and you took the necessary steps. However, you did say in the first time when you came out, well, the second time when you came out, you got, you know, into the depression, the anxiety and stuff that was not there, you know, yet. Uh, and, and then it triggered another uh, worst case where you had to decide whether I'm going to live or not. I mean, let's, let's go for what it was. I mean, you, you, you started feeling that the world deserves not to have you and your, your son deserves to have somebody else, but you, and, and those are, again, talking about negative words, stating things to yourself. When you were saying those things, you, you were really ready to, to, to check out if you want you know, say that. But one thing is that you did that many people unfortunately don't have, uh, you know, or, or sometimes it's too late. They don't talk about it. You actually came out and stated loudly to people and you went to the hospital and your parents were there and it, it shifted a little bit. You know, it kind of made a difference. That that transitional piece is important. You know, if you feel, and folks that are watching and listening, again, we've had so many discussions about suicide and suicidal thoughts and stuff. If you get to the point where it, it's time to 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 start questioning whether you want to live or not, you know, don't don't deal with it by yourself. There are people out there, you know, our suicide hotlines, you know, the 988 number, you know, uh, the 998, I think, is, is the number. Dial the number. There are outreach hotlines. There's people, there's advocacy groups. And I, I know you are an advocate, you know, but there's, these are people out there that can help you. Talk to someone. You know, don't think that it's not, it's little. And, you know, the next thing you know, you know, you're not here. Now, you're not here. You probably close that chapter, but, but you're affecting other people. In your case, for example, you have a son, right? Mm -hmm. That you, you got to think about that son, right? And so, so now you were thinking. So here's the thing: the the, the amazing thing is they were thinking about him, and and by checking out would have been like you know a positive thing. That's how you thought about it. Like I don't want to be in his life so he can have a better life. On the flip side, you know, we we want to tell the people right now is that you could say I want to be there for the son. I want to be there the which you said the first time. You know, I have a son coming. I want to be in his life. I want to give him the best. And 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 those those are again shifts in how you think and how you speak to yourself. And then that's going to give you the self-love, the self-talk and the pumping. And then the rest is history. And then of course, it's going to take work. It's not going to be easy. It, you have to take all the necessary steps to get it done. It's not like, you know, snap and then it's over. And it wasn't over. I mean, it took you years before you got, I mean, what is the, the total time frame? If, you know, I mean, I think I got more or less, you know, about eight years or so, or maybe more. Well, it took me six years to quit when I admitted it, that I was, you know, uh, depressed and I admitted that I was abusing substances, I, uh, took me six years to quit, but Hey man, I, like, I still have social drive and general anxiety, you know, it's, I can still get anxiety talking to people. Um, I can still get depressed and, you know, I've, I've had, and I can still get suicidal thoughts. Now I know I won't act on them. But I had them and it took me a while because I'm like, I got the imposter syndrome thinking, 
man, you can't have these thoughts and coach people. And then like, I still see a psychologist every now and then um, because I don't want to go backwards. You know, I do not want to go backwards. So if I get something that I'm questioning, I do like, Hey, I want this answer. I go see him. And I, you know, I started to talk to him and, you know, I've had, I had those, that suicidal ideation for so long that it's, there was an option for me. And that's why I can get him. And I'm like, no, you know, I talked to him. So no, it's not, it's not an option. Get rid of it. But I, you know, I can still get depressed. You know, I, 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 I can see the world differently from a lot of people. I have a lot of empathy and, you know, I'm going through what I've gone through. I, I see maybe the world differently. I have a different take on homelessness and, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, well, it's a choice. And yeah, you know what? It's, I chose to keep using and stuff like that. But, you know, I, my mom let me live in her basement suite. So I wasn't given up on, you know, I gave up on myself. I was lucky people didn't give up on me because I don't know where I'd be. But when you consistently use drugs, people are also giving up on you. When you give up on yourself, you, know, you can go down that dark path of, hey, you know, what, what, what's the point? You know, why don't I just go live on the street? There was a point where I almost left my mom's house to go live on East Hastings in Vancouver, which is one of the most, there's the biggest population of homelessness. So I could be around people like me. I, I wouldn't be the black sheep anymore. So I have a different, different view on how I look at the world and um, how people are treated. It's so I can still get depressed. You know, I can still get hard on myself, but I, I, I have equipped myself with enough tools and coping mechanisms to get out of that. But I also have that, you know, that counselor in my back pocket that, hey, if I, you know, struggling, ring up, hey, you know, let, let, let's chat. And it's good to have that because <clears throat> I actually found something out the other day and a couple months ago we were talking and he's like, Justin, he's like, I don't think you had the love and connection you needed as a child. So I was searching for love and connection through substances, right? Through materialistic things. Um looking for that dopamine hit that I was always searching for. And I was like, huh, you know, I didn't, I'm like, no, that just blames my parents for things. He's like, no, he's like, it's not blaming your parents for things. It's just, you were searching for love and connection. I don't think you had it. So that opened up a door for me. So I ended up talking to my mom and my dad about that. And my dad's like, you know what, man? He's like, you probably, I probably didn't give you the love and connection you needed as a kid. You know, some kids need more than others, right? Some kids are more dependent, independent growing up. Um, but my dad was an army brat. He was out at 16 years old. I didn't know this about him. He saw his parents fighting all the time. And he said he turned to alcohol to escape. Now, he was pretty good at hiding it from me. Um, but it opened up it, it it opened up a door for more understanding for myself, for me saying, hey, Justin, okay, because I always said, you're a bad kid. You know, you deserve that. But it opened up a door to realize, hey, you know what? The, the, that contributed. Not all of it. I still made poor decisions. Like, don't get me wrong. I was an adult. And I made those decisions, but it, it contributed to that by just talking to my counselor that opened up a door and it closed another one. <clears throat> so even if, you know, you start to struggle a little bit, it, it's okay to talk to other people because what does the counselor do? And they give you another perspective and they look into your blind spots without judgment. They don't care what you say. They want to know the truth and they are trained to look at it with no judgment and give you another perspective. Because a lot of the time, you're going to be lying to yourself to make yourself feel better or to protect yourself. And what it does is it hinders you from growing as a person. So as I kept that counselor in my back pocket. That, and then, you know, that it opened up another door for me and closed another one. And I'm very grateful that I got to learn that experience. And I got to put it in uh, in my book, actually. Well, you know, I, I, I love what you're saying right now is because 
it's first of all you're not you're you're still having your your systems in place you know because you have to have your backup systems i think that's that's your backup generator you you need to have that more when you are in doubt you ask when you you still have those tools which which is you didn't say okay i don't need any more i'm 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 perfect you're not not we not none of us is perfect actually that's the clear understanding we need to be clear about that we all need some help and someone to talk to you and and sometimes a resource now the one thing you said that was so powerful um that i want to re reiterate right now the the example you said i don't want to meet the guy that it could have been Right, but guess what? You're meeting the guy that you could have been, and that's yeah. you today. Justin today is the guy that that is the right guy, right? Justin is helping people. Justin is is not only helping himself, and but but he is also a beacon to others and, and helping others get through this 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 stuff, and they can get through it because you did it, and many people are doing it, and so uh, you know it is powerful to realize, that, and that's the thing that sometimes people don't see, like. You, and I've had so many examples, by the way. I have a few guests that we've had similar cases. Yes. And, and and today, they are like at the best of the best. They're probably one of the best people I've met, you know, in in terms of motivation, aspiration, so on and so forth. And, and you know, imagine if they stopped. Imagine if they, they're not here. We couldn't have had them today. You know, the world would not have them today. But yet, you are here. You're here helping people. That's your legacy. See, that's the thing. Don't give up on yourself too fast, too easy. You know, you can do more and you don't know what you are destined to be and to do. And, you know, and that's the thing. Sometimes we, we're we're almost like shortcutting ourselves. Like, you know, uh, I don't think I'm going to amount to anything. You have everything. No one knows what their, their top achievement they can do. You got to go through the max and you're going to keep and do and do and do. And you will achieve and you're going to help and you're going to be more than what you've ever been. And that's, that's a fact. The minute you start saying that, nah, I'm not. You know, who am I? What am I going to do? What kind of contributions am I going to, you know, bring to this world? Uh, there's plenty of people doing this. There's not enough people, folks. There's 8 billion people out there. All right? And by the way, not everybody has access to people like you and, and, and all those people that are actually doing the work right now. Not everybody has a life coach. Okay? You know, maybe these shows are have a little bit of extension because they can be heard somewhere around the world. But out of the 8 billion people, maybe 1 billion may have direct access to this information or even half of that you know who knows the numbers are, are huge so there is not enough people out there doing good deeds and helping people getting better and so on and so forth people have to have somebody to listen to all the time sometimes it's religion sometimes it's your your best friend sometimes it's somebody i love what you said about your best friend or friends that will talk to you and tell you you know, as opposed to just like walk away and don't care that's important um i love the idea that you said about you know People did not give up on you. See, and, and and you were right there because there was a point where you could have been completely off and, and on your own. And had you done that, maybe things would have been a different position from today because you would have, to your point, been maybe um, just living out you know, there and maybe got worse in an addiction. You don't know. And, you know, sometimes people come back. Sometimes people don't come back. It is it is not easy. Uh, so, so I'm, first of all, I'm glad. By the way, we love that you're here, Justin, and, you know, keep up the great work, dude. <laughs> you know, you're doing it and, you know, continue doing. You are literally an inspiration to many and people can change. Uh, it, it's just to your point. You have to admit, you have to commit, you have to take the work, the, the action, you have to do the work and don't give up on yourself, period. Talk good, talk positive. I love the idea that you look at yourself and say, I love you, man. <laughs> you know, there's, I, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you got to psych yourself nicely. I mean, 
this is your best friend. This is the only person that you see every day. <laughs> you know, you, it, it's that's the one that came with you and is going to go with you. So you're going to, I mean, by the way, if you're not right, you can't be right around the people around you. This mm -hmm. has to be the first, you know, priority. And then if this is good, everybody around you is going to be good. If this is wrong, it impacts everybody. I, I'll give you an example. You lose a job. You're stressed. You stress everybody around you. You know, you have a bad day at work. You stress everybody around you. So if you can manage yourself well, you can manage everybody around you. Even at work, if your energy is psyched and everything is good, you're going to give that vibe to everybody. The frequency is going to be different where you are, right? If you yeah. are bad, it's going to affect. So your impact is global, but it starts with you. Well, you have three spheres of influence. <clears throat> you have yourself, uh, your relationships or your social network, uh, and then your work, right? So <clears throat> if you don't take care of you, then everything can you know, start to fall around you. I like to tell this, and you know what, Mike, a lot of my coaching clients are like, they have a hard time with self-love and taking care of themselves because they think it's, um, they think it's uh, not greedy. What word am I looking for? Selfish. <laughs> uh, selfish. Yeah. Selfish. They're like, it's selfish. Dude. I'm like, no, it's not. Now, so I challenge them. Okay. Imagine this. Imagine you're tired. You're at 60%. Okay. Now you're giving a hundred percent of your 60% to your family. Well, what are you giving? You're giving 60% of yourself still. Now, what if you took care of yourself, you know, five, 10, 15, half an hour a day, you fill up your bucket, you take a bath, you read a book, you know, you get out for a walk, something. What if you did that? You put yourself first a little bit. You said no to somebody else, right? Hey, you know what? I'm too tired to do that right now. But if you did that, okay, now you're at 80%. No, what's 100% of 80%? Still 80%, but it's better than 60. So when you can get yourself better, right? Make yourself a priority. Doesn't mean all the time, right? But if you can take care of yourself more, you will be able to show up better for other people. Renee, my wife, knows that the most important thing in my life right now is my recovery. They are a close second. But if I don't take care of my recovery, you know, when you're a substance user, or an addict you don't just stop being an addict right you got to work at it every day you know i'm still around alcohol i play hockey i play golf baseball it's 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 there you watch a movie there's alcohol you watch a commercial there's alcohol like nfl football is sponsored by budweiser like it's everywhere <laughs> so right and in the major leagues uh they shorten games but they extended the beer innings right because people aren't staying long enough and drinking more so a picture, a pitcher, national a pitcher in the major leagues came always like, he's like, man, they shortened the games, but they extended the beer sales from the seventh inning to the eighth inning so they can keep up with those sales. Now people are gonna have one inning to sober up a little bit, right? So alcohol is all around you; it's being promoted nonstop. So my recovery is still every single day, and for me, it's on. It's the most important thing in my life, right? So it's maintaining that recovery, you know, asking for help if I need to, and just maintaining that close coping mechanisms well thank you justin by the way uh that's that's a very powerful you know statement you mentioned about your support you know your wife understands where you are and she's there for you and so she understands that the priority is to make sure that you are recovered 100 percent, and whatever the time it takes so that's that's a big deal because sometimes if you, if you have that that's that's half of the battle right if you don't have that then you're on your own it's a little harder right so and understanding that they're on your corner, that's another thing, right? It keeps you motivated and keeps you going. And that's a big deal. So again, folks, 
understanding a lot of these things that we're talking about have dynamics and it has to do with the people with you around you how you you deal with things is important how you know how you see things i mean you are aware see that's the thing everything you talk about is you're aware every single you know second of everything that is happening to you and what's going on you got to that level where like you can see alcohol from a mile away <laughs> not yeah. because you want it because you are aware that it's there so you can prevent yourself from getting it. it's the other way around like the other way you would have seen alcohol and you just be part of it now you're seeing it you are like it's almost like that's danger and you are literally aware of the danger whatever it is and so as long as you're aware you are manipulating you can make things happen if you're not aware it takes you by surprise and you're doing that so it's important, you know, to 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 highlight these 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 things that we talked about. Now, what that you you talked about earlier, and I just want to ask you uh, to the, to its importance in your life. I know you said it was important. It was your high. It was your thing, which was your workout. Mm -hmm. You know, fitness. You know, what is the role of fitness that you would you know tell to people today in terms of their recovery? Because I'm sure there's there's a level that that can have some impact on whether you are healthier, better and doing things sooner or later in terms of your success or maybe i'm wrong well, okay when it comes to fitness well they say like to say you know ten thousand steps a day right that doesn't have to be running steps but getting out and getting your steps a day um it's good for your heart health you know half an hour a day for me i you know i i took the wrong way i in the beginning i was working out six or seven days a week and i burnt myself out i was overtraining. i wasn't resting enough I wasn't eating properly. Now, if you're going to train a lot, you need to get eight, nine, ten hours. I'm not a trainer, but I would suggest eight, nine, ten hours of sleep if you're going to train hard, right? Because um, <clears throat> and eat healthy, get rid of that sugar. Like there's a direct correlation between your gut health and your mental health. But your 25 percent of whatever sugar you intake in your body goes to your brain, but it also depletes you. It can make your mood drop, right? So. I like to work out four or five times a week. Um, and, you know, but you got to listen. You got to listen to your body. You know, I was doing six, seven days a week getting burnt out. And that made me more irritable, made me more tired, made me less present with my family. So you got to find that happy medium. You know, maybe it's weights four days, you know, walk a couple of days or take an active rest day. Maybe it's, you know, they like, let people like to do splits, three days working out, take a day, two off, and then do another workout. But you really got to listen to your body, have a great nutrition and get in sleep, you know, sleeping with your phone outside of your room, you know, <laughs> turning TV off without an hour within you're going to bed. And that that is one I actually struggle with because I don't watch TV during the day. And I like to watch a couple sitcoms at night, but then you're, you know, you're, are you really winding down and having the sleep that you actually need? Fitness can be good. Fitness can be bad, just like anything else, right? It's but, just but, like but social media too. Right, correct. But but is there? Did you find it helpful throughout your recovery to to have it part of your? Oh body? yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I thought you meant recovery in fitness. No, okay. yeah, it was the best antidepressant I ever had. No, because, that's, that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because um, I listened to audible books, I listened to motivational speaking, and I listened to positive podcasts of you know people like me that struggled. And you know, one one of the guys I, I listened to in the beginning, like all the time, was Steve Weatherford, who's the NFL punter for the New York Giants. And he, you know, he did drugs and he hated himself. And he's like, he got NFL's fittest man. He, the guy's six foot three, 240, just, just ripped, right? But he talks about being vulnerable, asking for help, and, you know, 
taking responsibility for yourself. So I started to listen to his podcast and listening to guys like that, you know, really helped me, but I, that's what I do when I go to the gym, but I also take notes and I think of my content at the gym and because what the gym gets is a dopamine fix, but it also releases those happy chemicals, your reward chemicals, and it's good for your heart. Like, but like I said, you got to make sure you're getting adequate rest, but you know, it was the fitness has been the best thing that has happened to me. And, um, it's really a big part of my routine. Excellent. Well, all right. Well, so now we're going to talk about, you know, we've gone through the journey, we've gone through where and how, and now let's talk about what you're doing and how you're helping people through your work. So you are a life coach now. You went to, you, you, I love what you said, you went to to learn about how be, to become a life coach and to put it in practice and make this part of your legacy and work. Now, now, uh, what kind of program do you offer and uh, how, first of all, what is your reach and how can people work with you and reach out to you? Well, I came up with, I created my own pro coaching program, um, a couple of them, three of them. And so there's one is a, is a six week mindset reset back to the basic programs that's on my website that it's six weeks, takes you through a bunch of like lifestyle changes. Um, it's a 42 day, if you can do it in 42 days, that's great. It goes over diet, you know, mindset, eliminating, there's no alcohol, don't do alcohol. That's, that's the goal, but we're looking for progress over perfection. Um, but that's a do-it-yourself course. Then I'm starting a 10-week a Men Awaken Warrior program. Um, that starts on the 24th of April. There's also an option where it's one-on-one -on -one access with me where we go through um, 12 weeks of just working with me personally one-on-one. -on -one. You get modules in, in each of those programs. You get modules, you get homework, but you also get to talk about what you want to create. I like to think I help people uh, reach their purpose, potential, and their possibilities while also discovering themselves and finding their why. And I'm going to release, um, because, you know, not a lot of people can afford to do pro lengthy programs like that. I'm going to do, you know, maybe if it's monthly calls, bi-weekly calls, and just it's, it's a lot of it's on accountability, right? Looking past that, those roadblocks, you know, discovering those self-learning beliefs and moving past that to, you know, really create the life that you want to create. And that's kind of just a, a sum up of my coaching, but I go around and I speak about mental health as people with substance abuse, substance use, um, you know, suicide. I don't, I cover suicidality. I don't go in depth in my speaking because it can trigger people. Uh, but I also cover inspiration. I've been very fortunate to speak at restaurants, to speak at mills. Um, I've spoken at, you know, hockey teams up to, you know, pipeline people, uh, and then next week, I'm going to speak on, you know, inclusion and hiring people with disabilities because, you know, what? mental health, when it it can be a disability and a challenge for people. So it's getting people to realize that, hey, we can hire people like that. But also I have a daughter, our daughter that was born with Down syndrome. And so speaking on, I hope someone can give her the opportunity, the accept, acceptance and inclusion to from her peers to, to grow up and get a job from somebody else. Because, you know, when I got out of the hospital, I told my job, listen, I struggle with my mental health. I'm on medication and I'm an ex-addict. They gave me a job anyways. Right. And so it's it's to speak on, you know, giving those people an opportunity, right, just to shine and show people what they got. So I've, I've been very fortunate to be able to speak at schools and like all these different groups because you can I can tailor my speech. And it's really been fun to you know, just look over the crowd and and see them looking back at you and really engage them and hopefully inspire them and encourage them to make the changes they need to make in life. 
or look into the views of somebody else who does struggle. Like I said, one out of five people can have a mental health episode, right? And that can be, if it's not yourself, it can be a loved one. And that number is higher. And it, unfortunately, it, it just seems like it's getting higher and higher. That's the way the world's going, affordability. And it's, uh, so I, I get, I get to, you know, give people that. And it's really fulfilling. Well, I, I admire the work you do because, I mean, it is, thank you for giving back. And and I, and again, uh, because you've been through it, you know more than, than the average person about this. And actually, it makes you a better subject matter expert because, you know, many people can say, I can coach you on this. But unless you've been through this yourself, you know, you're, you, you have no clue. Most of us, we can only imagine. But one thing is you can't imagine if you go through things and you can share these things. And so the, the work you do is very, very important. Uh, and I and I appreciate, you know, personally, I, I, I enjoy these discussions and I, I support this this type of work anytime. Uh, what, so so now you work, uh, virt- you said you can do the one-on-ones, that's virtual, I'm assuming. So you can work through yep. anybody that is that anybody, that anywhere in the world. Yeah. Your website is the the justinbryan.com. That's it. Yep. So so I'll have the 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 link to it on the description of the show so people can actually click in. And uh, if you go to my site, you can click on the picture of Justin and you will actually get to his site or you can just go into the description and click as well and you'll have that. Whatever you watch the show or hear about it, you can have that. So it's available to you. Uh, so, so I mean, Justin, we're about the, the end. Of, we, we just exceeded the hour, but it's worth, you know, every second of it. So before we part, you know, what would be your, I guess, wise words of of, of uh, advice that you would give our audiences before we close the show? Well, you're not alone. You know, you're not alone in your struggles. And you don't have to do it. Like, you're not alone. And you don't have to do it alone. Like, there's going to be days where you're going to question everything, days where you struggle with your mental health, days where you're confused and lost. Days where you're walking through that tunnel and it seems dark. But all you got to do is you got to keep on walking. And you got to walk until you keep until you find that light. And if you have to ask for help to find that light, well, that's one of the most important things that you can do because you're worth it. You deserve it. The world needs you. And you're here for a reason. And I just want you to remember that you are somebody's somebody. Love it. Love it. That is that that in itself is a gold mine right now. That that little one 30 seconds you know that's like uh you know the, the biggest hit you know you can have as as a powerful tool just to listen to it it's it is it is amazing so justin thank you so much for being with us today and and for the insights and for sharing you know your live journey and the work and then you said there, there is a book coming up right yeah actually so it's should be out within a month a month and a half it's in its final edits i got the cover you know i'm pretty excited uh it's called chasing shadows fighting the monster within and, Ooh, and uh, i'm pretty excited it, you know, writing a book, man, I never thought I would. And if I did, I didn't think I'd write on substance abuse, mental health, um, overcoming obstacles, personal development and recovery. So it's, it's full of my story more in depth, but it has life lessons. Like everything has a lesson to it. And then there's just more lessons after that, like choices, you know, changes, needs, stuff like that in your life that people need to make. And I hope, I hope it really impacts somebody. You know, if this, episode impact to you you can email me at justin at justinbryan.com i'd love to hear from you all right well folks there you have it you have the email you have the site and look out for the book i mean i love the book i mean the, at least the title is exciting and it is it is going to be a, a resonating book which if you read it you will be able to and by the way uh sometimes we might think that 
this is well i don't suffer from addiction i don't suffer never say i don't or never never say never as they say one two it's not always about us we might know someone that may be you know needing the help and we can guide them so the more resources we have the more we can help so again just to keep that in mind this is not always about us personally if we are great we are direct you know customers if not we do know or we might know someone let's help somebody else and just be good uh, people good you know humans <laughs> helping each other all right justin thank you so much for, for, for really a great show i appreciate the time man no, thanks for having me i appreciate it you're welcome and so folks there you have it again uh great show i uh, hope that you enjoyed every moment of it please you know uh share the show as much as you can connect with justin and we'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new topic. Bye for now.